give some chance for some people to filter back in. Um, we're going to start with praying for another church here in Warsaw this morning, um, Grace Baptist Church. And Aaron Hoke is the pastor, and he has five kids, five boys. So I, I sent Aaron a, a, an email this week, and that was one of his prayer requests, just as I raise five boys, pray for me. Um, so Grace Baptist Church, if you, if you cut down off of, um, man, I don't know the roads. Argon Road by Noah Noah. They just bought that building. It's been all painted. They have the signage out there. They've been meeting in a rented uh, place for 10 years, and they just bought that building. So that's exciting for them to, to, to put down some, some roots in Warsaw and, and have a permanent spot to, to worship and, and to reach out to the community of Warsaw. Aaron um, told me that for, his, for the church, for, for Grace Baptist, we could just be praying for continued hearts to to just share Jesus with the people of Warsaw. And this is exciting for me because, you know, we've been praying for six or eight weeks for a different church each week, and we just really want to, we really want to have an attitude of partnering with the other churches for God's kingdom here in Warsaw. That's, we want to have that attitude here in Bradshaw. So, so we just been um, praying for a different church and, and the pastor each week. This will be our last time we pray for a church just as we head into the holiday season. But here's what I want, I want to ask you to do before we pray. As you meet people in Warsaw and, and you find out that they go to different churches than, than branches, would you encourage those people? Would you say, man, that's awesome. You know, what is it your church is doing? And, and just be an encouragement to them in the church that they worship at because we're all part of God's church. And, and so if we claim that Jesus is the Son of God, if we claim that Jesus died on the cross and that, that he's the reason that we have eternal life, we're all brothers and sisters, and, and we want to encourage the other churches just to keep going forward in, in building God's kingdom here in Warsaw. So if you meet people there from other churches, really encourage them, love on them. Our next step is this, that after the holiday seasons, we're going to invite the pastors and the worship leaders of all the churches we've prayed for to come to a lunch here at Branches. And, and in hope that, you know, we, we're not, we understand that some just won't want to participate with us. We understand that, but those that will, our hope is that we can encourage them to, to jump on board with us and that we can then um, start having some worship nights where as a community we come together and worship regardless of the church we go to. But on a Friday night we'd meet and different, different people from different churches, we'll just all get together and worship. The next step after that, as we see that come together and, and that play out, is the hope that the, then we will as churches go into the community of Warsaw and do a big event as, as a community-wide church for God to show Warsaw how much we love him. So, so there's this plan of attack of why we're praying for, for each church. So let me pray for Aaron. Would you just, um, would you join me in prayer? So Father, we just lift up Aaron Hoke and, and Grace Baptist Church. Lord, we ask that even as they're having worship right now, that, that God, they, um, they would just be turning their hearts towards you. Um, they would be encouraged. As Aaron preaches, would you flow through him? Would you give him the words that, that um, he should be saying to encourage um, the body over across town? Lord, um, as he asks, God, would you, would you um, just be encouraging the members of Grace Baptist Church to be lights in Warsaw, to really have a heart to share Jesus with the people in their radius of their lives? And, and Lord, we lift up Aaron and his wife as they raise those five boys just to uh, raise those boys to have a heart for you. God, would you capture their hearts at a young age so that they can, they can love you and they can show love 
your love to people in, in Warsaw. So God, we just lift up this church and we say do a great work through them as they have, have put down roots with their new building. Thank you that you've blessed them with that new building and may that be just a, a point of anchor that you, you, are, you are locked down in Warsaw, that you have a heart for this city. So we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So a couple other just quick um, announcements. Good on you, church. We took up, um, we brought in food. Nolan set it up. We brought in food for Thanksgiving. We brought in enough meals to feed 37 families. 34, is that correct, Nolan? 34. 34 families for, that would not have a, a Thanksgiving dinner this year. Um, you guys, you guys put together enough meals. There was, um, yeah, that's awesome. There was, there was enough money given that we were able to donate that money to buy extra turkeys to hand out to, to families. And so, yeah, that's just exciting that you guys as a church are willing to, to um, sacrifice your time to run to the store, your finances to, um, to serve and love people who you don't even know. And, and I'll just tell you this. A few months ago, somebody said to me, you know, Tom, Branches is getting a reputation in Warsaw. And I said, well, I hope it's good. <laughs> and uh, and what, he's, what they, the person told me is Branches has a, a reputation of being people who are willing to serve in the community of Warsaw. And to me, that's a trophy. That's a win. I mean, that's like, and it's not me. It's, it's you guys. And, and isn't that what the Christian life is about, is loving people so that they can meet Jesus? And so what has happened, I kind of laughed when the person told me that, because looking back on the year, we haven't scheduled like an outreach. We haven't had, okay, on Saturday, we're going to do this big outreach, and here we go. But what's happened is as needs arise in our community, within, first it happens within our, our body as needs arise. But as needs arise, word goes out and you guys jump, jump into action and go love people that need love. You guys serve people. You give to people. You gather clothing, furniture, vehicles. I mean, there's been vehicles given away. Who gives away a car? That's awesome. So good job. Um, and so, so just, just keep it up. And, and part of 2018's vision, we'll roll out in, a, in the next month or so, is just to keep it up. Keep serving and loving Warsaw. Um, next week, Thanksgiving service, as you gather around this Thursday and you start talking about what you're thankful for, just remember that. Bring it and share that with us next week. We'll have an open mic. We'll have somebody that is really good about taking the mic away from you if you ramble on, but you'll get your, you'll get your 15 seconds to, to hold the mic, maybe a minute. So anyway, let's get into it. Matthew chapter 6. Today is the day. Today is the day. Mel Fisher, who um, he passed away a few years ago, but Mel Fisher was a a modern-day treasure hunter. And if you don't know the name, Mel Fisher, um, he grew up reading books about boats, ships that had sunk with treasures in them. And he fantasized about scanning the seas for these treasures and becoming rich. Mel Fisher also had a passion for um, scuba diving, and in growing up in the 40s and 50s, he, he was instrumental in making scuba diving what scuba diving is today. So he grew up watching the guys with the big brass helmets put on the massive suits and go down, and then as scuba started to get developed, he was part of the devel- development of that, and in the, in the 1950s, in the 1950s, he opened the first scuba shop in the world in Southern California. And so what Mel did is he took his passion for scuba and his desire, his boyhood dream of finding hidden treasures at the bottom of the sea, and he blended them together, and he became a treasure hunter in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and until he died in, in the late 90s. And um, 
So he moved his operations to Florida where, where many, many ships had been told that they had went under, under during different, different hurricanes. He started searching for ships, and he had success. At one point, he found a ship where he found like $20 million worth of gold, gold coins and stuff. That's pretty good, right? But he set his sight. What's that? That's pretty good. Yeah, that's nothing compared to what ends up happening with this guy. So what he does is, is in, the, in the late 1960s, he sets his, his sight on a Spanish ship called the Antocha. And he decides, I'm going to find this ship because it had the most amount of money in it that, that was recorded at the time. So he starts searching for this ship. And every day, Mel woke up and said, today is the day. With optimism, today is the day. Today, I am going to find this ship. And 17 years later, Mel was waking up saying, today is the day. He was seeking for this ship. And could you imagine for 17 long years having the optimism every day to wake up and say, today is the day. What I've been looking for, I'm going to find. And then having a crew and telling the crew, hey, guys, today is the day. And having investors who kept pouring money year after year into his operations, guys, today's the day. Every day, today's the day. He had this optimism about him. Well, for Mel Fisher, that finally paid off. And in, in about 17 years later, 1986, he, get a, he gets a call from his son who's on one of the, the ships out at sea scanning the bottom. And he says, Dad, today's the day. We found it. And they found the Antocha. And after they, they took out all the, all the goods from the sea bottom and sucked, sucked the goods out of the sea bottom, they found 1,080-pound bars of silver. 80-pound, 1,080-pound bars of silver. They found gold. They found gold bars. They found gold coins. They found jewelry. They found artifacts. They found gold chalices. I mean, you might see some of it in the pictures. They found, they found chain necklaces. All told in 1987 to be worth $450 million. Now, that's pretty good. <laughs> Cha-ching, right? Today, today it would be worth over a billion dollars, over $1 billion in today's value. Mel found this after 17 years of seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking. But in the article I read about him, here's what he said. It said it took years. It cost lives. It challenged the commitment of, Mel, of himself and his crew. There was untold challenges, financial difficulties. But he says it finally paid off. And here's a quote that Mel said. He says, I think that perseverance has paid. The one main thing, just hang, on, hang in there and do your thing. And when people try to tear you down or get jealous, just let it go. Let it go into one ear and out the other. And keep on going. Mel had this vision. He was going to seek this treasure. He sought it. He sought it. He sought it. And it finally paid off. Here's, here's the setup. Here's the setup for the, us this morning. That when we seek God's kingdom, God will never leave us broke. God will never leave us bankrupt. And we will, we will not see death when we seek God's kingdom. Okay, so, so what we've been doing over the, the past few weeks, this is week number three. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. And here's what we've landed on, that the kingdom of God is the presence and the power of God here on earth. And we see this with Jesus when he, when he came and he brought, he brought the kingdom of God through, through healing people, through raising people from the dead, through, through lame people being able to walk. If you remember when he calms the sea, he has the, he, the kingdom of God has authority over, the, over, the, over nature when Jesus reaches out and calms the sea. And then he ultimately shows his his God's kingdom when he raises from the dead and walks out of the tomb. 
And, and we, we see that, that, that kingdom come in a time, but then we know that when Jesus returns, that his kingdom is going to be fully established. And all the junk that we face here on earth will be done away with, and, and we will see our eternity begin with Jesus. But we live in this little, this little gap, right? We live in this gap of, of God's kingdom coming and God's kingdom fully being consummated, and we're in this gap. And as, as we read through certain scriptures in the, the gospel, we see Jesus talk about the kingdom of God. It, it, was, it was his number one message that he spoke. And when he speaks to his disciples and when he speaks to other people about the kingdom of God, there's these little catch words that he says when he's speaking about the, the kingdom of God. And they're action words. They're words that say for, for the listener of what the listener is supposed to be doing in regards to the kingdom of God. So I just want to look at four, four, actually three that Jesus talks about and then I made one up. But we're going to say that Jesus said it. We're not going to say that. I saw somebody grab their bag like, I'm out of here. No. We're going to talk about some, some, some catchwords that Jesus said that, that actually lends us to our responsibility in the kingdom of God. So the first word is seek. Okay, and, and, and that was a setup with the story of Mel Fisher. Matthew chapter 6.33, kind of our key verse for today says that Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So, so in this chapter in Matthew, that's the very bottom of a long string of dialogue that Jesus is having and of teachings that Jesus is having. If you read that, he's talking about money. He's talking about possessions. He's talking about being concerned with what you're going to wear, the food you're going to eat, and, and, and just our daily needs. And here's what I think it boils down to. What Jesus is saying is, is you, can, you have two choices you can choose to seek the, the things of this world and the kingdom of this world and be concerned about how things are going to play out for you in this world. Or you can seek my kingdom. You can seek the benefits and the value of my kingdom. And, and, and later on, he tells this parable, which, which he puts a value on the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 13, he says, The kingdom of heaven, which is the same as the kingdom of God, is like a treasure that a man discovers hidden in a field, in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. And then he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for, a choice, per, for choice pearls. When he discovers a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So according to Jesus, what he's saying is that the kingdom of God is more valuable than anything we could, we could have or we can own. That's what he's saying. He's saying, when you, when you find the kingdom of God, it's more valuable. Go sell everything. Completely sell out because the benefits, the value, what you're going to get when you find the kingdom of God is more valuable than anything that you can, you can gain here on earth. And so like, like Mel Fisher waking up every morning with anticipation saying, today's the day. Today's today. Today's the day. I feel like what Jesus is saying is that we should be seeking the kingdom of God with that kind of anticipation, that kind of, that kind of zeal, that kind of, uh, of just um, intensity to seek the kingdom of God. Seeking the kingdom of God is not saying, hey, God, would your kingdom come, and then we just move on in life. It's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying it's more valuable, so seek it with intensity. Has anybody ever lost their car keys? I've lost my car keys. You can, you can admit it, yeah. When do you discover that you've lost your car keys? When you need them. When it's time to leave, right? When you're like, I got to be out the door in two minutes. 
where are my car keys? And what happens when you start looking for your car keys? Because you're, you need to get out the door. You're willing to throw everything aside and you become laser focused on finding those car keys. You start turning the house upside down. You get your, your family involved because you're blaming your family anyways, right? That the keys are missing. Um, you get your family involved. You start looking in places that you know the keys aren't, but you're going to check just to make sure. You're looking in cereal boxes. You're opening up clothes hampers and digging through dirty laundry. You're looking, you know, underneath everything. And then what do you do when you don't find them? You go back and relook. You're digging through couch cushions. It become, you become consumed with finding your car keys until you find your car keys. And this is the intensity that I believe Jesus is saying. Seek God's kingdom. Make this the most important thing in your life. Look for this because when you find it, the benefits far outweigh anything that you you can have on this earth. So here's how we seek God's kingdom. First, we seek by asking God. We say, God, we need your kingdom to come. We want your kingdom to come. Would you bring your kingdom? We seek God's kingdom by submitting to him. We've talked about this a lot by just saying, God, today is the day that your kingdom gets revealed in my life. So God, because, because I want your kingdom come in my life, use me as a coin in your pocket. You could spend me any way you want. I want your kingdom to come. We seek God's kingdom by submitting to him. So another catchphrase, another, another word that we see when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. First we see seek, and the second is enter. It says there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. I, I find this interesting. So we have this man who's a Pharisee, and after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Isn't that interesting that a Pharisee is admitting that? There is something different about this guy, right? He, he recognized, because who was Jesus always coming up and butting heads with? Was, was the Pharisees, but he, he recognized. I wonder if that's why he went at night to see Jesus, to protect his back. But Jesus, here's what Jesus replied. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus said, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. This word, this term, born again, is a term I don't like to use. It's Christian talk that if I'm talking to somebody out on the street, have you been born again? I think they're going to have the same response that Nicodemus had. What, what are you talking about? I like to use words like, have you met Jesus? I think that's simpler. Are you in a relationship with Jesus? Have you, have you become in a relationship with Jesus? But, but Jesus says you must be born again. And, and Jesus knows that we're all born of flesh and blood. And so what he's saying is we must be born of the Spirit of God. Because of sin, we're spiritually dead. There's separation between us and, and the Father. And Jesus is saying if we want a relationship with God, that we need to come and we need to recognize that he came to save us. He came to pay, pay, the, pay the debt of our sin. That we could be made alive through him. So we need, to, we need to confess that we have sin in our life, that the things in our life are bad. They're not good. They cause separation between us and God. 
we need to recognize that, hey, Jesus, you're, you're, you're the redemption. You're, you're the key to my re- relationship with, with the Father being restored back. We need to accept that. And that's, when, that's how we be born again. We give our lives to Jesus. I think for this morning, if somebody's sitting here and, and the term born again or, or meeting Jesus or coming into relationship with Jesus is, is new to you, you, you've not experienced that, you don't know exactly what that means, I think just stop listening to this message and just hone in on the idea that I need to enter the kingdom of God by being born again. That's, that's the first thing I need to do. I need, I need to enter the kingdom of God by being born again and then take steps and take actions for that. Because it's not something that just happens to you. There's an action step that you take, and that's, that's a confession. That's, a, that's an acceptance. And without that step, we can't enter the kingdom of God. So we seek the kingdom of God. We enter into the kingdom of God. And here's a third, a third word is we inherit the kingdom of God. It says Mark chapter 10, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. And you must honor your father and your mother. And the, the man replied, Teacher, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man... Jesus felt genuine love for him. He says, there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give them the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around, and he said to his disciples, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? I don't believe it's a sin to be rich. So if you're rich today, you're not sinning. I don't believe it's a sin to have money or make money or have a job that pays you really good money. I believe what Jesus is getting at is the heart of the situation with this young man. This young man has obeyed all the laws. He's, he's, he's a good guy. I mean, he's not ever killed anybody. How I many of you could say that? <laughs> Come on, lighten up, people. He's never killed anybody. I'm a good guy. I mean, I've honored my mother and father most of the time. Right, Mom? <laughs> she waved her hand, so I'm good. I stopped stealing when I was a kid. <laughs> I don't think I've stolen anything recently. I'm a good guy. And Jesus says, then just go sell everything and, and give it to the poor and you'll be good. And the guy goes away. He, he weighs out. He weighs it out. You know, he sits there and weighs it out like, man, I got a lot of stuff. This stuff is super important to me, and it's more valuable, I guess, than, it, than inheriting the kingdom of God. And, and, and he goes away sad. If you were to go back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 is that we seek God above all things, and all these things will be added to us, right? If we read verses 19 through 32, we see Jesus basically saying, don't be concerned with the treasures here on earth. Don't be concerned with what you, you will inherit here on earth. Be concerned with the kingdom of God because it's more valuable, like we just said. Don't waste your time on gathering the stuff. The stuff's not going to fulfill the void in your life. The stuff's not going to bring you eternal happiness. It might bring you some temporary happiness, 
but be concerned about the benefits of the inheritance of the kingdom of God. I think sometimes we try to fill spiritual voids in our life with material stuff, and we can't do that. You can't, you can't fill spiritual needs with material stuff. We're created to have intimate relationship with the Father. We're created to live under the rule and reign of his kingdom. And there's this other kingdom, the kingdom of the world, that's at work to keep us from being, to, of, of doing that. And, and that comes in the form of stuff, possessions. It comes in the form of worry. Well, what am I going to eat tomorrow? How am I going to feed my kids? It comes in the form of what you're going to wear. I got to look good. And Jesus says, don't worry about this stuff. Seek my kingdom, the inheritance of my kingdom. All this other stuff will be taken care of because I'm your father. I love you. You're my child. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about it. So here's, here's some benefits. When we seek God's kingdom, we gain access to all that God has for us, including the, um, his desires to meet our needs. That's a benefit when we seek God's kingdom. He has a desire to meet our needs, and when we give it to him, we allow him to step in and, and be the one that make, takes care of our needs. When we enter God's kingdom through, through a new birth, we gain eternal life, and we, we gain that connection back with the Father, that relationship with the Father. When we choose to live eternally minded and kingdom minded, we inherit all the riches that a loving, loving Father wants to pour out on us. So our responsibility is to seek, to enter, to inherit, and the benefits are huge, far greater than anything that this world can give us. Here's the one I made up. Another responsibility we have in the kingdom is to activate the kingdom of God. I made that up. But here's, here's why I get that. Rick read it this morning. In the Great Commission, Jesus says, go. There's that action to go. And so God tells his disciples this in Matthew chapter 10. He says, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give us freely as you have received. That's, that's interesting because I thought only Jesus healed people. I thought that that was over when Jesus left. But he's like, no, hold on a second. I'm giving you authority to take the kingdom of God into the world and actively show the world the kingdom of God and go heal people and go cast out demons and go. And that's easy to talk about while we're sitting in this room. Let me give you guys a quick story because I dealt with this this week. My dad fell and broke his femur, okay? So he broke his leg off right here. Slipped on ice, snapped it in half. We get a call. We're down at the hospital. And we're like, okay, doc, fix him. And my wife comes blasting through the door. We're going to pray and God's going to heal you and it's going to be done and we're going to walk out of here. I wasn't too excited about that. I was like, no, we need good doctors. <laughs> because it's easy to talk about, but when it's your dad laying in a bed with his leg snapped in half, you just want a really good doctor. So I'm on the phone with Nolan and with John, who work in the orthopedic industry, saying, I need a good doctor. Find me a good doctor. We'll leave this hospital if we need to. Here's the doctor they're bringing me. Start researching this doctor and get back with me. And they go to work. But Joe's like, we're just going to pray. You're going to walk out of here, Dad. Let me tell you that my faith was like in the toilet. I, I was like, oh, I got, I, I'm a pastor, and I'm the husband of this crazy woman, and 
that's my dad, so I probably need to get up and we can pray for him. But while we're praying, my, my faith, it was easier to talk about it today than it is to activate it in the world. It really is. But Jesus tells us to go do that. He tells us to go and bring God's kingdom through healing. Not, and it doesn't even say pray that somebody might get healed if it's God's will. God, please, if it's your will, would you heal them or make them feel a lot better? It says, heal the sick, raise the dead. Those are big ones. Those are bigger than my faith right now. But this is what Jesus tells his disciples, and I think we can tag that down the line that it carries down to us. Jesus is about to leave heaven, or leave earth, and ascend into heaven, take his place on his throne. And he tells the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When we are born again, there's that, that phrase, when we meet Jesus, the Spirit of God comes and lives and dwells within us. Think about that. You have the Spirit of God in you. You're not doing this alone, like what Rick read. Jesus said, I will be with you always. You'll never go out and pray for somebody on your own. You have God with you. You'll never go out and tell somebody about Jesus, about the kingdom of God, about entering the kingdom of God alone. You have God with you. You'll never go out and give food to somebody on, this, on the street corner alone. You have God with you. We should, we should walk in boldness and in authority and in anticipation that God's kingdom is going to show up because God told us to go do it and because we're being faithful, and that's our responsibility. A few years ago, I was in, we were in Las Vegas. So this is a good, good picture of of the world's fun and, and the kingdom of God fun. <laughs> because Las Vegas is like the world's playground. Has anybody ever been to Las Vegas? I hate Las Vegas today. But it's, it's I mean, if you want to have fun and you're interested in stuff, go to Las Vegas. There's anything and everything for stuff. <laughs> and so we, what happened was we were going to go visit my parents in California for Christmas, and it's cheaper for us to fly to Las Vegas than to run a car and drive because flights are cheaper from, you can fly from South Bend to Vegas for like 50 bucks or something. So anyways, we all fly to Vegas. We have another family with us. We spend the night at a hotel. The next morning we wake up. Actually, we've been in, we stayed in Vegas two days. We went to the Hoover Dam and saw the dam, took the dam tour. <laughs> we could keep going. <laughs> we went and saw the Hoover Dam, which is a marvel. We went and saw the, we went into the pawn shop that that show Pawn Stars is, is about, and we went in there and saw that. We went and saw, you know, all the different casinos, rode up and down the strip, all the stuff, the exploding volcanoes. We saw Las Vegas and all it has to offer. The next morning, we were going to get ready to drive to California, so we walked across the street from the hotel to a, a subway, like subway, you know, sandwich shop. It was a subway slash donut shop, and we're going to have breakfast. So we're having breakfast. We're sitting there with this other family, and I'm facing out the door. I can see out the door, and out the door across the parking lot at the street corner is a homeless man. And something, not something, God told me, get up and go talk to that man. And so I didn't say anything to anybody. I just got up and walked outside, and I kind of meandered over, pretend like I was looking at this motorcycle until he caught my eye, and then I engaged in conversation with him. And I, you know, asked him his name, where he was from, Asked him, hey, man, you hungry? And the guy smelled of alcohol. He'd been drinking all night. So I went in. I come back in to buy him a, a donut or something. And 
the rest of the, my wife and kids and the other family, they now discovered what I did, so they're praying for me. And so I take the guy food, and I just sit down with the guy, and I just share with the guy, you know, I asked him, did he have a mother? And he said, yeah, I have a mother. I said, you know your mother loves you. I said, you know your mother's probably concerned about you right now. I said, do you, have, you know, Jesus loves you. Jesus is concerned about you. Um, and I just tried to encourage the guy. I prayed with the guy. And, and at that point, here's what I realized. I was engaging in kingdom activation and kingdom stuff, sharing the love of, of the Father of Jesus with some guy who's sitting on the street corner at 7 in the morning in Las Vegas after drinking all night, and he's homeless. And, you know, of all the stuff that Vegas had to offer, as we drove home, and, and even, even today when we meet with this other family, that's what we remember. Oh, we got it, you know, because they, they participated in praying for me and with me as, as I, you know, was talking to this man. That was really cool that we got to engage in kingdom stuff. So, so the, our, our call our charge, the passing of the baton that Jesus gives us to actively engage in kingdom living. It's not a duty. It's a privilege. This is fun stuff. I love this stuff. When, when, when I have my head on, squared on, you know, screwed on tight in the morning, and I know, God, you're going to use me today, and I get to engage in kingdom stuff, it's the highlight of my day, my week, my month, whatever. We just have to be willing to step up and step in and go. So we seek God's kingdom. You guys can stand if you want. I'm wrapping up, landing this, this plane. So we seek God's kingdom. We make it more valuable than anything that this world has to offer. We say, God, you, you've got, you've got my, my, my daily needs taken care of. I'm trusting in you. I'm going to seek your kingdom. We enter into, into God's kingdom. That's, that's the first step. We, we, we're born again. We say, God, you're, you're my life, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. And then we help others enter into the kingdom of God. We inherit God's kingdom. We say there's nothing more important than what the, 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 the benefits, the value of God's kingdom is. We activate God's kingdom. We go and we do these things. So, so I just want to encourage you will, you, will you maybe think about that this week? Would you maybe wake up in the morning and say, God, today's the day. Today is the day. Spend me however you want to spend me. I will be ready to go. You bring it my way. I will have my eyes on, my spiritual eyes on. I will step out as nervous as I am, as lack of faith as I have, as, as not knowing what I'm going to say. I'll step out and I will love and share Jesus and share your kingdom with whoever you bring my way. Would you be willing to do that this week? And then maybe next Sunday, you'll be coming up telling us about that story of what God did. Because if you commit that to God, he will be faithful to bring that your way. It's going to happen. I I'm promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if you say, God, today bring somebody my way that I can share your kingdom with, it's going to happen. You just have to be willing to recognize it when it happens and be willing to step out. And then next week, come back. Let's, those will be awesome, awesome Thanksgiving testimonies. Okay, so let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll wrap up and worship. Here's what we're going to do. Song of worship. And then we have time to just pray for each other. If you need prayer for anything, anything in life that's going on, we need to pray for your knee. So will you come up and we'll pray for your knee, okay? So at the end of the song, coming up, we're going to pray for your knee. If you have some physical need, if you have some emotional need, whatever, we want to pray for you. If you want to be born again, if you want to meet Jesus, if you want to say, today's my day that I'm entering into the kingdom of God by giving 
Jesus my life by saying, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, you died for me. If you want to do that today, today could be your day. Come stand up here. We have people up here that are just, they're, they're anticipating that some, that some people are going to come up here and we want to pray and, and just invite you into the kingdom of God. So, Father, you are, you are our good Father. You have the ability to take away every fear we have. God, you provide every need we have. You, you want the best for us. And God, you've equipped us. Our responsibility is to, is to, is to step into these things that you've, you've given us and that you've called us to, to do and be. Lord, would you make this message go out in a way that, that um, hearts would be changed, that, that those who have heard it this morning would say, yeah, I'm going to make some commitments. God, I'm going to commit that today's the day. Today is the day. Lord, would you be touching on the hearts of, of people right now who, who really know, yeah, I, I really need to enter into God's kingdom. I need, to, I need to meet you. I need to enter into relationship with you. God, would you cause those people that are standing here to, to feel like I can do this in this room because I feel safe. I can do this in this room because we're just a, we're just a bunch of normal people and there's nobody higher than, than, than I am. Just, just encourage them that we just want to love each other. We just want to be real with each other. We don't, we don't need to put on just false just pretenses. We, we can just be who we are and that you will work amongst us. So God, those people that just know that they need to take that first step to enter the kingdom, would you just right now just kind of give them a butterfly in their stomach or give them something that they would know, yeah, I'm the, I, I need to take that step and I'm, I'm going to walk forward. And God, we'll be faithful to love Whoever comes forward for prayer, we'll be faithful to, to let you be God in their life, and we'll just join in with what you're doing. So, God, we just ask for encouragement. Lord, give us a great week. Work in us. Show us things. Use us. In Jesus' name, amen.